0: This show was created for you, the broken Catholic who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Sathia Sam. He is a fourth-generation pastor with a passion to see people come alive. That's you, BC Nation. A brilliant communicator and clever innovator, Sathia has created music, books, and courses to help people around the world live a life of freedom. How does he do it specifically? Well, uh, he's got this program called Deep Clean. I love the name. It's fantastic. Deep Clean. It's a program that helps men overcome porn addiction. So if you're wrestling with pornography right now, men or women, then you're really going to want to lean in right now, grab your pen and paper and take notes because, see, Thea has agreed to reveal his best uh, secrets, his principles, uh, his process that he uses in deep cleaning. He's going to give it uh, away to you for free here today on this show. This is what he charges for, and I'm guessing a lot of money in his coaching practice. So he's agreed to give it to you for free. Uh, today, so if you're struggling, you're wrestling. I like to say, if you got the that rock, that secret rock that weighs you down every single day of addiction, then this is the show for you. So stay tuned in this. Sathya's most recent work to date is Deep Clean. This is his proven process that sets men and women free from porn addiction. He's recently married himself and is based out of Toronto, Canada. We won't hold that against him. He's a good man. He's a man of faith. Uh, You can find him at SathyaSam.com. Sathya, welcome to Broken Catholic, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro really quickly, about
1: 60 seconds or so. Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Joseph. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, You definitely covered the grounds really well. Uh, It's probably worth telling people that uh, I do quite a bit of speaking on the subject as well. Um, This whole topic of sexuality and really pornography and all of that, um, it's a hot button topic. It's been taboo for far too long and uh, for me, I'm just on a mission to open up the dialogue about it, uh, to try to break down some myths and really give people avenues and paths to get free so we can walk in greater levels of integrity and purity. So, um, yeah, it's it's a privilege to be here. I told you I was listening to you for a pretty long time. So it's uh, it's really an honor to be here, and um, I'm excited, man. Let's dig in. Awesome. So, BC Nation. Uh,
0: before we jumped on, Cynthia said, "Hey, I've been listening to your other podcast, your business show, your first 100K for over a year now. Yeah. So, if you are a business person, a professional, and you want..." business tips and strategies um, to running and growing your kingdom business, uh, then go check out my other show as well. And that's a top 100 podcast in entrepreneurship. Okay. So it's rocking. I have phenomenal guests that come on there. Uh, I'm, I suspect Sathya is probably going to pitch me after this to get on that show, but I don't know. I could be wrong here. I could be wrong. All <laughs> right. So Thea, go ahead and take a minute, share something personal about you uh, that very few people in your business life actually know.
1: Yeah, well, um, this is kind of a specifics about my story. I mean, most people in my business world uh, and even clients would know my own struggle with pornography. That's why I help guys get free. It's not just because I'm trained in the area. I have a personal experience. I struggled for 15 years. And as you mentioned in the introduction, I'm a fourth generation pastor. So I grew up as a pastor's kid, Christian education. I got my own education myself, had all the reasons to not dive into those kinds of things. Um, one of the things I ha- actually haven't shared very much is that I struggled while I was a recording worship artist. So that was part of my career. Um, I was recording music, uh, releasing albums, writing songs, traveling. I uh, got to do tours in Europe and that kind of thing. Um, but pornography was an on enough struggle even during that season of my life. And uh, it was a, a rude awakening, I would say, that, um, that no matter how, how great the things are that you're doing, no matter the platform you have, whatever else, uh, your private life is always more important than your public life. And um, and I know the, the scriptures talk about that a lot. Um, and I know for me, I experienced that firsthand, just the the challenges really of, of having uh, a good life externally, but still having those problems internally. And um, yeah, as we're going to get into it, I, I reached a point where I, I couldn't handle it any longer and something had to give. So um, yeah. What age did uh, the porn addiction start? Started when I was 11 years old. Uh, my first exposure was in the computer lab of my Christian school, if you can believe that. So I can. started pretty young. Uh, even today, actually the average age of exposure is still about 11 or 12, depending on the survey.
0: Yeah, for sure. So you're at the Christian lab at your school and boom, you see image pops up on the screen. What's your initial thought as a little boy?
1: So it was whitehouse.com, if you can believe it. Somebody back in the day had bought that domain and turned it into a porn site. So it was just, it was my classmate. He was like, oh, check out this website. My buddy from soccer told me to look at it. And um, I still remember both of us putting our, we put our hands on the screen to try to block it. We were so stunned and looking, that was back in the day when those, there were those big bulky monitors that had the big round power button. So we got our hands there and you're trying to poke the button and you know, we wanted nothing to do with it. It was honestly completely innocent. Uh, There was no malice in it, but anybody who's had exposure knows that your first time is almost never your last. And that was the case for me that that just began this curiosity that it wasn't even like the next day. But, you know, it was a few days later. Hey, what's this about? And, you know, you kind of just think about it. And um, and then just one thing led to another. And it, it really spiraled quite quickly once the momentum gathered. Mm. I think when it comes to porn,
0: curiosity killed the boy you know it it really yeah. really because that's how the enemy gets in right we're curious man and boys like images right we're visual beings yeah. and it's like you you go to com, and boom you see the images you're probably like shocked you want nothing to do with it but you're also probably embarrassed that's why you're covering the screen cuz you don't want anybody to walk in and see that what you're you're looking at oh, yeah. but that image entered your soul yeah the image or images entered your soul and gave the enemy an access. And that's that's how it starts, right? So uh, fast forward us over the next 15 years. What did that struggle actually look like? Bring me all the way, bring us all the way to the high uh, and all the way to the deepest low of that. What was, what was going on inside of you? What were you feeling? What were you experiencing? What was the self-talk? Go ahead. Yeah.
1: Um, so when I was in high school, it worsened. As in it was it was regular viewership. I don't know if it was daily or whatever, um, but it was regular. And a lot of my peers uh, also watched pornography. So there was a bit of social validation. I think even though at a core level, I knew it was wrong, uh, especially when you're in that stage of life, the social validation is kind of enough to to maybe keep it going. But I remember always thinking in the back of my head, I can stop whenever I want. You know, just classic addict talk like that's ah, fine. You know, I'll I'll quit this later on. Um, when my life is more important or whatever, when I'm further along in life. So I went to university, I worked really hard, and um, I actually started dating somebody in university. So while I was dating this person, I actually stopped looking at pornography. And so you think, wow, that's amazing. You know, you got rid of it, way to go. You had the motivation of the relationship. No, it wasn't any of that. We were sexually active in the relationship. So it was very simple. I basically just replaced pornography with something else, and it it was the real thing so to speak and so um that relationship ended and uh, i was quite devastated um i got cheated on and it, it, it was very messy and i remember sort of in that broken space thinking how did i end up here like how is this my life you know just the shame of uh, our sexual activity the shame of struggling with porn and masturbation for a long time and then really just feeling that that disconnect from god and knowing i want to serve god i i want to honor him with my life but i'm I'm really not reflecting that with my lifestyle or my actions here and feeling like something had to give that would have been probably one of the lowest points in my life. I think just just being confronted with the reality of my life is not what I want it to be and I have nobody to blame but myself. You know, that's a really harsh, painful reality. But out of it actually came tremendous growth. And that was when I really made up my mind. Enough is enough. I'm going to do something to get free. I don't know what that is. I had no idea how that worked but I knew I wanted to do something. And so I made up my mind that I was gonna figure it out. And that began a journey of about five years, Joseph, of trying a bunch of things. I would say there's a lot of mainstream solutions out there like internet filters and accountability partners. Uh, In my opinion, great places to start, but incomplete solutions in of themselves. And so um, I started there, I hit a wall and could only get so far. And so I had to start finding other solutions and other things that honestly, people just weren't talking about in this space. And um, and that's what kind of led me to what I would say would be the much higher moments of this recovery journey when I did finally find things that actually push the needle forward, and not just temporarily, but actually help you achieve long lasting freedom. And I've been free for it was fi- it's five years actually this month uh, that I've been free since the last time I looked at porn. That's awesome! Congratulations, and God gets the credit
0: for that, right? Our Absolutely, freedom, He gets yes, the credit. Sir. So fascinating story. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, My listeners, um, you know, someone right now is struggling with porn uh, and you know exactly who you are as you're listening to my words and you're listening to Sathya share his story um, and you're like, man, that's me. What he just described, that's me. I know God's calling me for something greater. I feel like a fraud, you know, in my Christian walk. You know, maybe I'm serving, you're serving in your church, but you're going home and looking at porn or like Sathya, you're, you're writing Christian songs, putting out Christian content and going home and looking at porn and that feeling of being a fraud, you know, the enemy comes in and, and, and accuses us, right? First he tempts us. Then when we fall, he accuses us. What kind of Christian are you? How could you do that? You're such a hypocrite. Really you're going to stand up at church on Sunday and now get preach? Really? Who do you think you are? Right and these are some of the lies the enemy just like beats us down with so that we stay small, we stay broken and then we stay addicted right? To that, that advice. So Cynthia, let's start unpacking as we promised to my listeners. Let's start unpacking your process. And I'm guessing a lot of your process, you picked up along the way, right? You learned exactly what you were, you were talking about. You're like, hey, a lot of these solutions out there that I see to break porn addiction, um, they're they're band-aids to the symptoms, but they're not addressing the core issue. There's a yes. poison deep inside of me. I want out. I want permanent freedom. So take us there. What did you find first that's now part of your process that's proven, that works, that helps guys and gals permanently break their addiction to porn? The
1: basic premise here, Joseph, is that all behavior is rooted in belief. So a lot of people address behavioral issues by trying to mitigate or modify the behavior itself. But the way to look at it is behavior is really, it's a plant and its roots are called belief and so what most people try to do with the pornography issue or any kind of addiction or really any behavioral issue is they try to curb the behavior so you install an internet filter and when you do something like that that is the equivalent of running over a weed with a lawnmower so it might look clean for a while but it's really only a matter of time before the weed grows back thicker and pricklier than before The only way to actually get rid of a weed in your life, in your garden, however you want to phrase it, is you have to do the hard work, get underneath the surface and uproot that sucker from the ground up. And it's only when you get rid of the roots that you can actually be confident that thing is not going to grow back. So similarly, when you address pornography, you cannot just settle for things that modify behavior. Instead, what you want to do is identify and address the underlying issues, why are you so drawn to pornography in the first place? We tend to justify it by saying, well, you know, everybody does it or every guy struggles with this or it's some of those things even that you mentioned before. Like we say, yeah, I'm a guy. I'm visual. Of course, I'm going to be drawn to it. Totally un- understandable explanations. But usually there's there's some sort of a, a need. There's some sort of a driving force. It's a need for intimacy, for connection, to to feel belonged, uh, belonging, rather uh, comfort, safety. I mean, there's all kinds of different reasons. But when you can really get underneath the surface, get to the heart of the matter, identify those issues, and then find healthier ways to get those needs met, that's when you really start to achieve, uh, I would say, longer term success. And certainly uh, a kind of success where you don't have to white knuckle it, where you're, you're just praying that you don't give in a to temptation today. It's actually a very relaxed, easy sense of freedom. And uh, you know, people will ask for me like, wow, you've been free for five years. Your whole ministry kind of depends on you staying free. Are you ever worried about it? Uh, and the, the easy answer to that is, no, I'm not, uh, because I, I don't have to depend on my own strength. Number one, we know that God is very much in the process of freedom. It's, he's more excited about it than I am uh, and any of my clients. But, but secondly, it's that actually when you resolve uh, the roots, you know, when you pull out a weed and you know the roots are, are gone, you don't have to worry about that thing ever growing back. And, and so this kind of approach where you're addressing what's underneath the surface, uh, that is really where the money's at. That, that's where true freedom is found. Okay, got it. So I
0: agree with you completely. And I love how you broke that down, the difference or the distinguishing between behavior and belief. Behavior addresses the symptoms, belief is the core issue, mm-hmm. right? What's that belief you have around your addiction? And and I get to address this with some of my clients where they come in with uh, different types of addictions, right? So alcoholic, Addiction, etc., and they'll say terms. They'll speak out loud terms to me, like, "Yeah, I'm an alcoholic. You know, I've been clean and sober for 15 years. You know, praise God, etc." Right? Um, and then their spouse will be like, "Yeah, my husband's an alcoholic, but man, he's really doing good, etc." And and I come back to them, and I'm like, "Do you realize?" that every time you speak, I'm an alcoholic, or he is an alcoholic, you are literally creating into existence into reality, the very thing that (laughs) is keeping him imprisoned. Yeah, yeah. Like you're you're speaking slavery upon him again, you're speaking slavery upon yourself again, because God gave us co-creative power were made in his image and likeness likeness he's creator. How did he create? Through the spoken word, who is Jesus. So speak to us about that, the power of language uh, in your process when it comes to uprooting those false beliefs.
1: Oh, it's so good. I'm like, I'm nodding my head vigorously here as you're saying that because I so agree with it. I tell my guys, if you believe that you are a pervert, you will watch porn by faith. Because you, yeah, if you're gonna declare those things over yourself or if that's how you're gonna frame yourself, it, it wouldn't make sense for you to behave any differently, right? The other way to say it is that you can't outbehave your beliefs. Um, the, the best way to really address beliefs though, usually for, for most guys, it comes down to this, Joseph. It's either they believe they're not good enough, um, they believe that they' they're in they're not valuable unless they're perfect, um, or they believe that they're unlovable, just simply not not worthy of people's love so when you believe these things let's take uh, being unloved as an example if you believe that you're unlovable what happens then is you will not go to healthy places to receive love because if you believe you're unlovable why would you go to a healthy place to receive love that that's a complete contradiction and in fact a, a place of healthy love can be a threat it's a threat to your faulty belief So when you have those kinds of beliefs, it's much easier to engage with something like pornography because pornography, of course, uh, affirms the belief. It it gives you this fake experience of love or intimacy or connection. And then it basically reaffirms, you know what? I'm actually not worthy of love because I had to go to a screen. I had to go to somebody I don't have a personal connection with to get this kind of experience of intimacy. So it's it's everything, man. I mean, it it is... um, yeah, belief, beliefs just, they drive us. They drive the decisions we make, the way we see ourselves, the way we view God, and ultimately the lives that we lead. And so it's really powerful when a guy can actually come to reality with, oh, I, I didn't even know I was believing this about myself, but now I can see it in plain sight. And then just starting to ask, okay, well, what's what's the truth? Um, because, you know, we have a Bible that says God gave his only begotten son that none should perish, but all should have eternal life. We, we have evidence that um, that angels nor demons, no rulers or principalities, life or death, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And it it creates this opportunity to grapple with the truth. And it's one thing to declare the truth. It's got to start there. But what happens with time as you start to work through it, as you start to reason and rationalize, well, why does God love me? Why? Why am I actually a lovable person? This can't just be theory or good doctrine. Why is this actually true? When you begin to wrestle with it, the roots start to take place and you, your heart begins to, to actually anchor itself in the truth. And that's really when transformation takes place, because if you believe you're a pervert, you'll watch porn by faith. And similarly, if you believe that you're holy, blameless and above reproach, like it says in 1 Coloss- uh, Colossians 1.22, then you will behave in a holy and righteous manner as a result. And, and so that's kind of what the, the process looks like of uprooting those faulty beliefs and really identifying with the truth.
0: So, Sophia, what you're saying, I I agree, right? I believe, absolutely, but it sounds too easy. (laughs) To a person who is in addiction, and I used to be in addiction, it sounds way too easy. It sounds theoretical, Yeah, right? Which you you brought up earlier. What specifically, like what action, if I'm in addiction listening right now to the show, And i'm stuck and i feel imprisoned and yes maybe one of those three core beliefs is going on in me i feel unlovable unworthy etc like what is my next step what is that action step and how long should i expect it to take for me to break free and uproot
1: this addictive behavior okay really good question so there's two things that i basically would encourage anybody to do and and it doesn't really matter at what stage in your recovery process you're at uh, it doesn't even matter if you have an addiction, you can apply these things and your life will be better. Number one is cultivate emotional fitness. And what I mean by emotional fitness is developing a regular sense of what is going on internally. It's it's kind of a deep level of self-awareness to the point that even if conditions were to change dramatically, you can adjust. So let me give you an example. Um, so I'm married, right? I've been married for, for just about two years. And um, and it's a huge part of my story because one of my prayers to God was that I would get free of pornography before I met my future wife. Like I prayed that he would actually keep her away from me because I didn't want to bring it into my marriage. So, um, you know, a lot of people paint this picture that, you know, uh, don't have sex before marriage. And and then everything about sex is just amazing on the other side. That's kind of the message. Now, of course, we shouldn't have sex before marriage. There's no no debating that. But they don't explain to you that actually, you know, when you when you do begin to engage in sex with your spouse, there there's actually, it's a skill. Like, it, it's like anything else. You're growing and you're learning. And you know, if you struggled with lust beforehand, fantasizing or whatever else, then guess what? On the other side of marriage, all that stuff is just amplified. That's all it is. So for me, that is one of the areas that I've struggled with for a very long time. I, I would say I'm more visual than the average male and I have very good spatial functioning and ability with my brain. I can picture things very easily. So uh, on the other side of marriage now where I've, I've pledged myself to my wife and she's the only person that I intend to have this kind of relationship with, I still struggle with fantasy from, some, from time to time. I, I can catch my brain going to those places. Emotional fitness in that situation, it, it means I am not condemning myself for being this terrible rotten person who had the fantasy because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It is, it is instead just acknowledging, oh, okay, my mind is going there. All right, Lord, I'm bringing this to you. God, thank you that you've given me attraction. Uh, And Lord, thank you for my wife, that you've given me a person in my life that I can devote my attraction to. It it is just being able to look it in the face and not run away because you have no power over the thing you run away from. So being able to just look at this thing square in the eyes and say, all right, that's okay. God, I'm going to invite you into the moment. Let's get all the shame. Let's get all of it out of the way now. And what can I do about it? What's what's my response? Why am I fantasizing about it? Well, actually, I feel a little bit lonely today. All right, well, maybe I need to reach out to a buddy and have a quick phone call. You know, I have a couple friends that I can um, can call kind of whenever I need to. Uh, You can do those kinds of things when you have emotional fitness, because you're able to actually get very clear access to what's going on inside of you, and you can sort of nip it in the bud before it develops into that moment when you're at home, you're alone with your laptop, and you start doing a Google search or you scroll on Instagram a little bit too long, or you know you can fill in that blank, whatever it might be. I really appreciate you uh,
0: sharing that and really just taking a, a real-time assessment of where is your emotional state at, at this point. And you've heard this before, the acronym um, for, for men, HALT, H-A-L-T, right? So are you feeling hungry? Are you feeling, uh, what's the A, angry, Angry, uh, lonely, or tired, halt, right? Are any of these going on in you? And if they are, you are now the most prone to falling into temptation, right? Falling into that, that addiction behavior again. So what I'm hearing you say is, hey, take an assessment of yourself. Are any of these strong, very powerful emotions going on in you? Uh, If they are, go address them, but with a healthy behavior. So if you're hungry, go eat, bro. Like, (laughs) Put food in you. Get off the computer. You've been working too long, right? Hustle and grind. Um, Because I know a lot of young entrepreneurs, they listen to Gary Vee and they listen to Grant Carter and work your 18 hour days and it's all about hustle and grind to chase that money bro yeah well your physical body is now exhausted and spent right your mental capacity everything so when the enemy comes with sin or temptation or lust or fantasy you're like man you're an easy target at that point you have no shield left so yeah. to speak yeah. uh what else what is your, an, another practical step uh, in your process that you teach men to break their addiction.
1: Yeah. So another another big component is overcoming the past. And it's it's something that we really would rather not acknowledge. But the, the the reality is we're really the sum of our previous experiences, good and bad. And sometimes what happens is you you have experiences at a young age that sort of mark you and they they impact the way you relate to other people. They impact the way you connect. And if, if you don't heal from damaging experiences, then you're basically left with the aftermath of it. So um, again, I'll give another personal example for me. I have, um, I have two amazing parents. I'm, I'm very fortunate. I don't come from that broken home and the kind of the messed up childhood. I had a good upbringing, but it goes to show you that even a good upbringing is not perfect prevention against some of the, the cares of life. Um, my mom is a is an incredible woman. She's uh she's very godly, very loving, very um, kind and gentle. I would say she's equally timid and reserved, and and did not really express a ton of affection to us growing up. Now she she spoke words of encouragement and whatever else, but um one of the discoveries I made in that that five year process where I was kind of trying to figure out what actually helps somebody get free of this thing, one of the discoveries I made along the way was that. I actually grew up feeling neglected by my mom for most of my life, which was a, honestly, it felt painful to say because I love my mom so much and I never dreamed I could ever say anything like that about her, but it it wasn't a statement about her as much as it was a statement about me because I grew up feeling neglected. I wasn't actually neglected, but it was my perception. They were my feelings. Now, just think about this. if you If you grew up feeling neglected by your maternal figure, the person who is supposed to provide you uh, the the feminine love and support and encouragement, then what happens when you're a teenager, the world is your oyster because porn is so accessible today. And you now have the opportunity to experience a, a intimacy and nurturing connection, quote unquote, with hundreds of 1000s of women, as you please, it, it becomes a much more convenient option. And with those kinds of voids in your heart, you will naturally gravitate to those kinds of options as they are available to you. So for me, pornography was in some ways an obvious option because it was perfectly meeting that unmet need that existed from, I would say, very early on in my life. Now, the good news is, it doesn't matter how messed up your childhood is, it doesn't matter what kind of deficiencies you had growing up, there's always a solution. And that looks like two things primarily. Number one is forgiveness. And uh, we don't need to get into the significance of forgiveness, it's not a suggestion, it's not a recommendation. It is a commandment of the Bible. You must forgive if you long to be forgiven. That's in Matthew 6, it's in Colossians 3, it's in a bunch of places. We have to be able to forgive. So being able, for me being able to just say, you know what, mom, uh, I acknowledge that I felt neglected by you growing up, but I forgive you, I release you. And this is the key word of for, key words of forgiveness. You owe me nothing. You owe me nothing. I'm not gonna hold anything else against you. And what that does is it it frees up those parts of my heart that have maybe felt neglected, that have been kind of void of that affection. And it allows me to find healthier outlets and healthier avenues to get those needs met. Because you know, at, at this stage of my life, I don't need to go back and try to recreate those experiences with my mom. Instead, the solution as an adult is to actually turn to the Lord. It's, it's to turn to this God who, who has promised that he is sufficient, that he will meet all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And it is it is experiencing that not just at a cerebral level, but even at a mental uh, part of me, at a mental and an emotional level, where you're actually engaging with God on that kind of a front, to the point that your desire for connection, to be nurtured, to be supported and comforted, can be met through Him. So forgiveness is the first one, which I yeah. so agree with. What's the second? You said there was two. The second one really is is fostering that emotional connection with God. And there's lots of ways you can do that. That might look like prayer. That might look like how you read the Bible. Um, I, I teach guys how to journal. And I think journaling is one of the best ways that you can really pinpoint what's going on inside and then invite God into the process And let him speak back in response to the things that are going on. So um, speak to us
0: about that a little more, inviting God into the process, because I see so many men and I used to do it myself. When we see a problem, we go into fix it mode and we try to fix it ourselves. We become self-reliant rather than God reliant. So what does that actually look like? Inviting God into the process rather than just journaling, assessing what's going on and then going to work on it
1: yourself. Yeah, great question. I think you know James says confess your sins to your elders that you may be healed. So I think one of the one of the first steps for sure is just it's confession. Another word for confession would be acknowledgment. It, it is actually outrightly saying, God, I'm struggling with this. God, I'm struggling with fantasy. I'm struggling with pornography. God, I'm struggling with lustful thoughts about my coworker or or about one of my friends or whoever it might be. That that simple acknowledgment of like. God, I'm I'm letting you see this. That is one of the best ways that you can actually dissipate the shame that comes with sexual issues and sexual struggles. But then the second step is to actually talk to him about it. It, In other words, you can't just kind of verbally vomit everything and then walk away and and dust your hands off and and feel like it's all done. I think that is usually how far most people are willing to go. But actually to, to just... To let God, um, this is actually a good way of putting it. Uh, David said in the Psalms, God, search my heart and test my every thought. And it's that kind of idea. God, I invite you to actually to, to con- convict me about any of the motives I have and how I'm engaging with people, um, any of the challenges that I'm having at work, any of the ways that I'm seeing people, God, I, I give you permission to speak to me about it. And where journaling comes in really handy, Joseph, is you. it's not just saying I did this, it's digging into here's why I did it. Here are some of the thoughts that are associated with it. Here are some of my fears. Here are some of my anxieties. And then at the end, I always teach, teach my guys to write this. God, what do you think about this? Just plain and simple, no, no leading questions, just God, what do you think about it? And giving room for that still small voice to lead you, to guide you, to direct you, uh, to correct you if it's necessary, to comfort you when it's necessary. He always knows what you need in those moments, but just giving him the space after you've sort of fleshed it out and put everything out there. Does that make sense?
0: makes total sense. Listening to God is something many Christians uh, or most Christians are not taught to do. We're taught to emotionally vomit or verbally vomit upon God, put in our request, hey, great genie in the sky, can you bless what I'm up to in the world? Um, yeah. But not actually go and ask him, is this what you want me to do? Or, hey, can you tell me what you think about what I'm feeling right now or what I'm seeing or what I'm reflecting on in my past, that these past wounds? What do you say, God? Like, what do you see that I don't see, right? Mm -hmm. Search my heart. Um, I think that was a beautiful way to to present it. Okay, so I'm gonna push back just a little bit here because I know there's one of my listeners right now that says, I hate journaling. I'm not a journaler, right? They have a belief system around, I'm not a journaler. Yeah, I was that guy. I really was. Years ago, I was like, all these bros around me, they're like, oh, you got a journal, man. And I'm like, (laughs) "Uh, I don't journal. I'm not a journaler, right? Um, speak to us, just address that uh, objection really quickly, uh, the importance or the significance um, of journaling, why that's critical. And just because you haven't been practiced in journaling doesn't mean you can't really start to enjoy it and benefit from it as I now do. So,
1: yeah, I mean, it's really hard to overstate the benefits of journaling. I think there's a couple of reasons. Number one, um it's kind of like it when you're in class you you can hear um you know what a lecturer is saying but when you write it down it reinforces it because you're learning it another way uh, but number two you actually now get something visual because you actually see the words on the page and as we talked about before especially for men uh, a visual component is really important i think the other reason that guys don't really want to journal is because it sounds like a diary that kind of sounds like what we're talking about and it's not what we're talking about at all this isn't like, dear diary, here's what I did today, uh, so-and-so is so cute, hee hee hee. You know, it's it's not this kind of like log of your events and some of the thoughts you had. It is actually going into those, those places that are on your heart, the things that actually matter to you, the things that are important. And the the other thing to remember is that it is unto something greater. You know, if if journaling was the price that you had to pay so that you could be free for the rest of your life, would you do it? Is it worth it, even if it is a little bit uncomfortable, even if you're not a great writer? Um, this, is, this is the biggest thing that I encourage my guys on, is if you had to journal once a day, for 10 minutes a day, for a year, but it meant that you were free for the rest of your life, would it be worth it? And, and there's very few people who would say no to that. Now, to give you an example, Joseph, uh, one of my clients that I just finished working with, um, he basically, uh, you know, I have I have courses and programs, so uh, there's there's different structures for it, but it always involves them watching course content, and then weekly group coaching and it's on it's for unlimited amounts of time they can do it as long as they want um because i'm interested in people's long-term success i don't want this to be a 12-week thing so this guy had been in my program for i don't know six months and he's gone through you know a majority of the content and you know one day he shared something in the group coaching call and i i I just thought it was weird and so i asked him i said did you have you journaled about any of that yet and he kind of just he turned white as a ghost you know gave me this blank stare and he goes ah Oh, well, you know, I, I um, haven't really been journaling too much. And so I'm like, well, what do you mean? You know, so it's kind of this loose thread. You know what it's like being a coach. You sort of get these loose threads and you kind of pull on them a little bit. and uh, And it turns out this guy d- doesn't like journaling. He has all the things you just said. He doesn't he's I'm, I'm not a journaler, I don't like writing. So he watched my video on journaling, um, and he just didn't do anything with it. He just he just kept moving and he figured,, oh, I probably don't need that. I can just do the rest of the course. And uh and so we're we're kind of making this discovery. And I said, So you haven't even tried it once. He said, Well, okay, I tried it once, but it was it was okay. It wasn't amazing, but it was okay. Um, so I said, Okay, do me a favor, try it for a week. We we our, our calls are weekly. So I said, try it for a week, tell me how you find it next week. So he goes, Okay, fine. Kind of just bites his bites his tongue, but okay, fine, I'll do it. So he comes back a week later. He goes, I I can't even believe it. I don't I don't even know what I what I was so scared of. But he said, journaling has actually given me the safest outlet I have ever found in my life to just talk about what I'm really feeling inside. And I think that for me was a it was a huge revelation of um, the reason that journaling is so valuable is because actually for most guys who are struggling, they might not have anybody they can talk to about it. Their pastor doesn't understand. Uh, their friends might judge them. They might lose their marriage if they talk to their spouse. There's nowhere they can go. So journaling is actually the one place. It's just between you and God. But it's, it's safe, it's secure, if you will, and you have control over the environment. And that's actually a great place to start to confront some of those things that are going on underneath the surface. Now, just, just to finish this story, the same gentleman uh, right near the end of the program, he, um, he, was, he was just telling me about this, this thing he had gone through. And basically, he was seeing this girl, he was super excited about it, really excited about her, and felt like this had real potential. And pretty shortly into it, she broke things off and she just felt like there wasn't potential here, moved in a different direction. The, the two main struggles he had when he came to me were uh, pornography and anger. So for him, he was a short fuse, kind of a ticking time bomb at all times. And he said, honestly, I've gone through breakups before and usually my MO is pornography and then I take it out on my coworkers or you know my family, my friends. I just, I, I start to kind of spill out onto other people. And he said, I knew that I had to journal. It was the last thing I wanted to do, but I knew I had to do it. And I had already sort of exercised that muscle of you yeah, just do it anyways, because you know, it's good for you. And he said, honestly, it was it was night and day. He's like, I didn't look at porn. I, I didn't take out my anger on anyone because everything that would have normally bottled up inside me had an outlet. It had a way out now. And that that really is the power of, of journaling and just paying close attention to that inner life.
0: It's fantastic presentation of that. Thank you. And and just to create a distinction there, we're not just talking about journaling and meditation folks. Okay. We're talking about journaling with God Mm -hmm. and that's completely, completely different. That's where the power comes. It's God's strength that comes in and heals the affliction and the addiction, not yours. And it gives you, as Sathya said, a safe place to bring the worries and heaviness and burdens of life that's what God wants. He wants your problems. Yeah. See, most of most of us, we think there is no possibility of living without our problems. So we think this is all it is. So I just got to push through it and work harder at it and just deal with it and cope with it and manage my problems. Hence, therapy and counseling. Yeah. Which is a place to just bring bring your problems and and learn to manage them and talk about them, but not actually get rid of them. And the Bible is very clear. Like God wants to take your problems and replace them with his promises.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And on. like that shifts everything, folks. Don't you want that? <laughs> that I've lived through that myself. All my problems and addictions I've given to God. He took them like he is faithful. And now I'm living in his promises of peace, love, joy, prosperity. I'm like, what is going on? Why did I used to stay in that place? I didn't know. So for you listening right now, just know that that possibility is waiting for you. God has an amazing life ahead of you, but you got to lean in. You got to take your problems to him. You got to take your burdens and your pain to him and do it through journaling, through to through do it through quiet listening time. Exactly what Sathya is saying. Sathya, I could keep talking about this, but we're we're coming up on our time here. Um, really powerful experience. Thank you for sharing uh, some of your best kept secrets in your process uh, where you get to see real results with guys. Take literally 60 seconds and uh, what is your success rate um, with your clients? Overall success rate, and I know I'm putting you on the spot, but please be real, be honest with my listeners. How many guys, what percentage of guys that you work with or clients that you work with actually get SIF free permanently from the addiction? And
1: my next question, how long does that take? Yes, okay, great questions. So I'll be honest, I don't have a hard number on this is my success rate. Um, Success is a little bit hard to measure because it takes time before you know if somebody's really set free. Um, Here's what I can say. The guys who actually stick to the program, and apply what they learn always get the results they want now of course the result they always want is that full freedom but there's lots of other results along along the way if somebody's struggling weekly they want to see that they can go a month a few months that kind of thing and we we see that kind of progress happen um pretty much guaranteed guaranteed if somebody sticks with the program they are guaranteed to push it out of the way and i'll give you an example i had a guy executive pastor out of texas and struggling daily. And part of that was because of uh, covid, actually, you know, just being locked in the office, stuck in his screen and the mind starts to wander. Um, he, he understood that that where he was at, he had had this problem for four decades. So for over 40 years, he knew it was going to take time. And I don't I don't try to pretend like, yeah, just do my 12 step program and you're set free in you know, a couple of weeks or whatever it is. But he said, my biggest goal is I just want to feel like I'm in control of this situation again. Because when a temptation comes up, it's like it's game over. My, my day has gone and I don't know what to do. Well, by the end of the program, he had gone about about 100 days without, which is great. You know, when you're when you're struggling daily after uh, I, I think maybe it, it took him about four or five months to kind of get through everything. Um, that's really, really good. But the di- the main difference is he said, I actually know why I'm I'm tempted now. I know why I fail when I fail. And generally speaking, I actually feel like I'm in control. And and so that that is the biggest thing. So that's what I mean when I say people always get the results they want. Um, It takes time, though. It, It usually takes, I would say, anywhere from a year to a year and a half of faithfully and consistently putting these things into practice before you can know that you've actually reached that place of more complete and permanent freedom. So that's why group coaching is unlimited. People can stay with me for years if they want, because I want to do everything I can to help them get that long-term success. I don't want this to just be an injection uh, kind of, of of freedom and some hope for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I would say generally it takes at least a year to a year and a half. Um, so, some research says it takes more like two to five years, but um, I, it varies. But I would say you have to be at least willing to commit a good solid year if you want to be free long-term here like we're talking about.
0: Sathia, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready, sir? Let's go. What's your favorite thing about God? His kindness.
1: What's your least favorite thing about God? <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say actually his kindness. <laughs> it's a good thing or a bad thing, depending on the day. <laughs> Got it. What are you most afraid of? Failure.
0: Okay. I believe we're all struggling with something. Um, Every moment of our lives is just part of being human. Uh, What are you currently struggling with right now, either professionally
1: or personally? Uh, Yeah. I mean, this would kind of be both, but I'm really struggling with just prioritizing my life. Um, You know, kind of feeling like I have a a bunch of things I want to do. Um, A few things God's put on my, my heart, even for this year. I just finished the first draft of my book and I built out a second course. And, you know, I have a bunch of different things going on. Um, but sometimes I really struggle. Like you feel just overwhelmed by everything and not sure how to prioritize. And, and, um, and coupled with that, and this has come up with the book especially, uh, you talk about the fear of failure, but uh, kind of that fear of like, do I just play things safe here? Or how do I know when I'm, when I'm supposed to step out? You know? And I, I know those are mental hurdles that are all kind of anchored in faulty thinking. Um, but those are things that I would say I'm, I'm confronted with pretty hard right now. Yeah, I get that. Thank you for sharing that. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Um, contemplating. Okay. <laughs> you, like, you know, sometimes you have these these decisions that you kind of already know what you're supposed to do, but you talk it out and then you, you try to get some feedback from a few friends, but all along you kind of know what you're supposed to do. So I think um, I spent a bit too much time just doing that and really, I, I would say just delaying the decisions that I had to make. Okay. So could we call it procrastinating maybe? Not absolutely. That would probably be the, the better word that would have sounded that. Contemplating sounds
0: really good, brother.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair point. Fair point. What secret fear do you have about people? Um, that they would not find me valuable or not find me worth their time. Okay, got it. And what do you wish you had learned sooner about God? That is a great question. I think I wish I would have learned how not threatened he is by my imperfections. Okay. Yeah. I think it's so easy to like, you get exposed to your insecurities and whatever else. And you just, you just think, oh, God can't see that. Or he must be so disappointed and just realizing he's, he's not even the least worried about that. Nope. What do you, uh, what's a new habit you want to create in your life? Um, Kind of couples into what I said earlier, but just really learning to be actually, no, this is what I'll say. Learning to say no, just learning to say, these are my priorities. These are the things I'm saying yes to anything outside of that is a no. Got it. What's a bad habit you want to break? Email, checking my email. I do that way too much.
0: <laughs> Pick three words to describe who you are now.
1: Um, secure.
0: Secure. Um,
1: yeah yeah secure within myself um i would say kind of diligent diligent and focused and ambitious got it so secure
0: diligent and focused right and ambitious okay got it pick three words to describe who you were before uh you experienced god in your heart and were set free from your addiction
1: um frustrated anxious and broken
0: yeah. And last question, if you could come back to life, look your family and friends, your wife in the eye
1: and give them only one piece of advice about everything, what would you say to them? I would say a mistake made once is a mistake. A mistake made twice is a choice. Learn from your mistakes as quickly as possible. And don't just learn from, the, from your own mistakes. Life is way too short for that. Make sure you learn from the mistakes of others around you as well.
0: Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know
1: about surrendering their addiction to God uh, versus not? Uh, Yeah, I I want them to know that the biggest obstacle between their current life right now and your freedom in the future is you. You are the biggest obstacle. And I I don't mean that in a personal way and that you're a terrible person. I just mean that what needs to change is something within you. And as much as that's a harsh thing to hear, maybe, uh, it's also the most empowering news I can tell you. Because if you're part of the problem, then you are also part of the solution. And there's nothing better you could do right now than to just take some sort of action, take some sort of step towards freedom. God honors those things and you'll be amazed at the places he takes you. He takes you. Pardon me.
0: So BC nation, what I'm hearing Sathia say, and I hope you've gotten from this show today is the biggest thing to change within yourself. If you're battling addiction right now is to change your beliefs. That's the secret. Your beliefs are the problem. Okay. If you're battling addiction, you have negative beliefs that are rooted deeply in your heart that God wants to uproot permanently and set you free from. So that's where you start. Stop focusing on the behavior. Stop white knuckling it. As Sathya said, it does not have to be that difficult. Set free when I finally gave it all to God and I stopped working on my problems. I hear this all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I struggle with that, but I'm working on it. Oh, you're right. I need to work on. Guys are famous or infamous for saying I'm working on it. And I look at them and I said, and that's the problem you're working on it rather than releasing it to God and letting his strength come in and set you free. Right? So, uh, sathia where can we find you? Um, how do we get into your programs? Uh, you know, someone wants to work with you, man, they really resonated with your persona, your charisma. How do they get started with you? What can they expect?
1: Yeah. So best place is just to go to, uh, www.sathiasam.com. s a t h i y a s a m And you can find out more information about my programs there, figure out which one suits you the best. And if you're not sure based on what you find on my website, there is an option for you to book a call. Don't charge any money. It's just so I can hear your story and we can figure out what the best solution is. I do promise to anybody who gets on a call with me, you will get a solution for your situation with pornography. Mm -hmm. It might be one of my courses, or if I hear what's going on and I feel like what I have isn't the right fit, I don't mind redirecting you to somebody else who can solve it better. Um, This is about getting you free and you'll get a solution one way or another. Fantastic.
0: So we're speaking with Sathia Sam. Thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace and joy in your life, sir. Thanks for having me, Joseph. This is an honor. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on a bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you wanna get rid of your problems, permanently, like be done with the addiction, be done with the medications, be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want, we're all chasing it. We had it as kids, we lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.